Welcome back, everybody, to Live in HD with Hilario and David, and special guest Tyler. He's back for week two. Uh, he hasn't had enough punishment yet, but I'm David. I'm Hilario. And I'm Tyler. All Just right. Three pigs in a blanket. All right. I take offense to that. What, <laughs> three, are, you, what, what are you saying, three <laughs> pigs in a blanket? <laughs> three you friends asshole. in a basement. <laughs> are you upset about the pig or the blanket that we're the, all together? The pig. The pig. <laughs> First of all, there's no blankets. Let's, let's, let's throw it out. This is not a sleepover. I, mean, I could use a blanket. It's a little bit cold. <laughs> oh, well, I guess. I'm burning up. I was like an offense to the pig. It's like, I know I gained some weight, but come on, bro. Yeah, we're working hard at this, David. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's so funny. But moving on, um, we're going to cover some nice topics today. We're definitely going to cover the Super Bowl. Uh, some of us were right, and uh, some of us rooted for the wrong team. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the uh, 21 Savage controversy, and we can let that segue into Donald's Wall. We promised we were going to talk about it, so here we are. But anyways, gentlemen, how are we feeling about the Super Bowl? Okay, I want to start about saying rooted for the wrong team. Uh, I don't think I rooted for the wrong team. Um, it wasn't the outcome I wanted, but I'm not exactly upset with the outcome. Yeah. It's nice to see Brady get the sixth ring. Um, it's really undisputed at this point. He's the best quarterback. Yeah. I don't think I was rooting either for the wrong team. It's just, uh, I would have liked to see, I guess the Patriots get defeated. But fellas, don't get me wrong here. I'm a I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm gonna talk a little bit of trash. Sure, sure, sure. I knew in the back of my head that the Patriots were gonna win. I mean, chances were. I don't know what I expected. After the Rams um the Rams Chiefs game, I didn't expect what we got at all. Like I was ready to fall asleep halfway through the fourth quarter when the game actually felt like it started. I mean, no touchdowns until seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, that was uh, one of the most boring uh, Super Bowls I think I've seen in recent years. It didn't even feel like it was a Super Bowl, honestly. No, no. I mean, just it didn't even feel like an exciting regular season game. Yeah, and I don't understand because at the very end, of course, every Super Bowl that I've seen, you know, everybody's trying to rush and call a timeout and stop the clock and this and that. And I was watching it with my brother last night, and I was I, I said that to him like, why is it that they always leave it to the last two minutes? When they have the whole game to make something happen. But yeah, it seems like they always push it to the very end. It's like, come on, guys. Especially in the Super Bowl. Yeah. There's nothing after this. Your season's over, regardless. You're yeah. either winning or you're going home. Yeah, like after the interception, the very last one, and you know they're still trying to rush everything and try to make it happen. It's like, guys, come on. You're trying to make something. I mean, it's possible, sure. But you didn't make it happen the whole game, and you want to make it happen in the last 30 seconds? Uh, chances are... It's not going to happen. And not to take credit away from either of the teams. I mean, both teams' defenses showed up, and I don't think anyone expected that because both teams have been involved in so many shootouts this season. I mean, the Chiefs slaughtered the Patriots both times on defense. You can't hold Patrick Mahomes back forever, but at the same time, they held, I think, the number one offense in the league to three points, and not to mention Brady and company got held to 13, only had three going into the fourth. I mean... That was fantastic defensive play and great scheming by both defensive coordinators, Bill Belichick and everything. It's hard to bet against him these days. Where do you see them going from here? Do you see Brady coming back even more hungry, try to get the seventh to really solidify it? Or do you see him kind of backing off, trying to bring up the next generation? I think at this point, they're definitely going to draft a quarterback high this year. They um, Whether that be their first-round pick or if they trade up, I think they're going to take somebody to groom behind Brady. 
within the first two rounds. I like Will Greer from West Virginia. Um, if for nothing else, um, good old country roads. Take but, me home. <laughs> take me home. But um, from here I see them. I, I think they have one more in them. I know no one wants them to go back again, at, with the exception of everybody in Boston and you know me and everybody else who's a fan. On the bandwagon. Everybody else on the bandwagon. Yeah. I, at least I've been riding the same bandwagon my yeah. entire life. So <laughs> you, you can give me that. Uh, back and forth. A little bit, you know. Yeah. But... I I think Gronk is done now. I have a hard time seeing him coming back, but he might. He might have one more year in him. I disagree with you, man. He's young. He's hungry. He has, what, four? He has three. He has three. He's going to go for the fourth. I'd love to see him go for the fourth. I don't want him to retire. Um, I mean, his personality is not one to quit, I wouldn't think. I don't think so. I mean, he took a shot in the leg, so. Yeah, he was limping. Know. Yeah, he wasn't doing good. After Post game, he was talking about how bad it hurt. He, was, he said he could barely walk, but. He wasn't about to let Bill Belichick out drink him. So, you know, if nothing else, I can respect his alcoholism. I mean, it's it's the name of the game. These guys have played football pretty much their entire life. Yeah. They know the risks. They know the injuries and how to recover from them. Oh, and he has enough money to sit on for years to come. His family, his next generation, they're completely covered. They have nothing to worry about. But what I'm more interested in is where do the Rams go from here? Because this brings up a lot of questions. Jared Goff has been very... Very lackluster in the postseason. Two years in a row. I mean, did they decisively beat the Saints? Yes, they walked in there and won, but not only did they need overtime to do it, Jared Goff didn't look amazing that game. And then he does this in the Super Bowl. And this is a year after they lost, I think, in the divisional round. I don't remember who they played last year, but Jared Goff, again, was pretty underwhelming. There's enough star power on both sides of the ball on that team with Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks. I know Cooper Cup was hurt, but... Between all that star power, they shouldn't have had that much of an issue. They should have been able to run on the Patriots. It was just a great defensive plan by Bill Belichick. See, I don't think it's time to worry yet. They are a very young team, and they have gone this far into the playoffs consistently. Not to mention, most of their core is going to stay intact for the next year. They signed Cooks, uh, Donald, Goff still has like two or three years left on his rookie deal. They'll be able to go places, but I really feel like... Here in the next three years, I, I I think I can see them back in the Super Bowl again. But a lot relies on golf and uh, what McVay can keep cooking up for that team. It all depends on what they do. I mean, they could come in, they could start really building this team up to try to make it a true contender. Or they could just stay young, keep making the mistakes they are, and they could sizzle out. I mean, you've seen that on plenty of teams before in the past. It really feels like with the NFC, it's a different team every year. I mean, look at the Eagles. They, they did make it into the playoffs. I thought Minnesota was going to beat them out but Nick Foles decided to come back and be a hero again two years in a row and I was genuinely worried about that um but we'll see where they go from the here I don't know who my early pick for next year's Super Bowl in the NFC is I would love to see Drew Brees win another ring before he goes out because I think he's got maybe one or two years left at best well I mean we'll see how elite he can keep it himself but with Ted Ginn Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas of course that team's not going anywhere anytime soon they should be fine and set for another run although after next year their payroll is going to increase by a lot because they're going to be looking to re-sign guys like Kamara and Thomas but I think for now the Saints might be my early pick for the Super Bowl next year I don't trust the Rams in the postseason enough and I think as far as the AFC goes I'm pretty sure the Chiefs, I, th- I think next year the Chiefs might have it, but I'd like to see what the Patriots do in the offseason. If Gronk stays and they get a stud wide receiver or something, I could very easily see them going back and repeating. i got to stay hopeful and root for Cincinnati. 
we'll have a little bit of hope for Cincinnati. I do like the coaching hire, getting the Rams quarterbacks coach. I don't see it as an immediate turnaround. I don't see them going deep into the playoffs next year, but I do at least hope to see a young, new, fresh team with a fresh coach to try and push them to get at least to the playoffs. I'll be very curious to see who wins the AFC North next year because you've got the Rams who just got Lamar Jackson, but everybody has film on him now, and the Chargers shut him down pretty effectively. You've got the Steelers who are going to be without Le'Veon Bell and possibly Antonio Brown, the two best players on their team aside from Ben. And then you've got Cleveland who were upstarts with a new head coach in Freddie Kitchens, and I've got a lot of faith in him, and I think they might make some noise next year, maybe go 10-6, and six, win the AFC North. I think the Bengals are a lock to make the fourth seed between them and uh, the Ravens, but the Ravens have a great defense. So at this point, I think the AFC North is a toss-up, and it'll be one of the most interesting divisions to watch next year. Now, do you see the Browns continuing to go on the path that they're on and win more and more games, or do you see them pulling what they have been in the past and just go back downhill? I genuinely believe Baker Mayfield is the answer, and I love him as a player. I think he's fantastic. I wanted him because he'd been in the big games and he'd won. That was the same reason why I wanted Deshaun Jackson, because he beat Alabama. He's been there. He's been in the big moment. It's why I didn't want Wentz. It's why, Well, actually, I did want Wentz, but it's why I didn't want Goff. I wasn't really high on Mahomes either, but he clearly proved me wrong. I mean, I'm not an analyst. I'm just a guy who's given his opinion, but I was pretty high on the Baker Mayfield pick. Uh, I wanted the Patriots to draft him, and they were apparently preparing a package to trade up to the number two pick if the Browns took um, Saquon and they were going to try and trade up and get Baker Mayfield, which I would have liked, but that just leaves quarterbacks for this year for them to take. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, I think that would have been a little bit of a preemptive strike for New England if they would have got a Baker Mayfield to put behind Brady. Yeah. I mean, Brady is getting up there in age, but he's not looking like it. He's still performing consistently. I mean, I think the Chiefs and Chargers games show you all you need to take all you need to see about Brady and what he can still do. Yes, he was lackluster in the Super Bowl, but again, Wade Phillips' defense played great, and the only receiver on the team other than Julian Edelman, who was MVP, to record a catch was Cordero Patterson, their number four receiver on a third and ten. I think he had a nine-yard catch. So I'm really curious to see what the Patriots do at wide receiver next year. Letting Amendola go was a mistake. Uh, trading Brandon Cooks, I guess that's not really too much of a mistake because now they don't have to pay him the $85 million that the Rams did. Um, I know he worked out great for the Rams. I love Brandon Cooks. All the love in the world to him if he's ever listening to this. I feel terrible that he played for the Patriots, lost to the Eagles, and then loses to his old team. Man, he almost caught that. It would have been a touchdown. What is it, like, second quarter? Oh, yeah. Jason McCourty comes oh, flying out of nowhere. I feel bad for him. I was like, dude, he had it. and oh, he just. Oh, it would have been a better game if it started that way. It would have been a game in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would have been a game if that happened. Um, I mean, they really did shut him down, though. I mean, Gilmore covered him one-on-one most of the night, and they doubled Robert Woods. Robert Woods did nothing. Brandon Cooks had his catches, yes, but most of the time I think it was when they were playing zone and they weren't on man-to-man. I mean, Gilmore did fantastic. He had a really great game. I think if they didn't give the MVP to Edelman, it would have either been Hightower or Gilmore who got it because I don't think Brady played good enough to really just be a shoe-in again. Edelman totally deserved the MVP. I have to recant my statement from last week. Um, I'm sorry, Julian, if you're listening or if you, or if we ever blow up. I was wrong about you. You are a number one receiver, and I got a lot of love for you. So I hope you can keep doing what you're doing and see the Hall of Fame one day. Can we talk one minute about the halftime show? Mm. Didn't watch it. Didn't watch it? You didn't Started, miss anything. Yeah, it's 
it started and uh, I had to go. Well, I didn't have to, but I just didn't grab my attention. So I went and got some food. Came back once the third quarter was going on. Quite a disappointment. A sweet victory. Yeah, I mean, that was so hyped up that it was going to be sweet victory. The SpongeBob song. They teased it. They showed the little trailer to it. Had the intro. Straight into sicko mode. Travis Scott. Which is a good song in its own right, but... Yeah, but you... I mean, everybody was expecting this to be performed by Maroon 5. I was, too. I was bummed. And then nothing. I mean, after that happened, I took a shower, and I was just, you know... I was like, well, nothing's happening, so I don't think I'll be crying if I miss anything into the third quarter, which is unfortunate. I think even if you hate the Patriots, and I mentioned this earlier, you can hate them all you want, but they've provided some very entertaining Super Bowls. The Falcons won. Yeah, you can hate them. Hate that they came back. But it was a great game. The Seahawks won with the Malcolm Butler interception. Um, I don't think I've ever had so much adrenaline coursing through me as I did that night. Uh, My dad was pissed at me at how loud I was getting. So, I mean, they've provided some serious entertainment in the past few Super Bowls. Even the, the Eagles won, which I'm sure everybody was the happiest about. They still had a shot in the final seconds. This one didn't feel like that. There wasn't that much excitement. It was low scoring. I think with three minutes left on the clock, was there any doubt they were going to win? Like, it just kind of ended. It didn't feel like a, a Super Bowl game. I mean, it never really even started. Yeah, did it? <laughs> like, I mean, you said it was anticlimactic, but I mean, it, there was not even any rising action. It was just the whole way, just steady, nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, Patriots won. I saw something on Facebook, and it was like, I wonder how everybody feels about paying all that money to go see Maroon 5 and a bunch of punting. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. That's all it was. And I don't remember if it was Tony Romo or Jim Nance when uh, Hecker booted that 65-yard punt. They're like, that's the play of the game. There's your MVP right there. It's Hecker. I'm like, yeah, at this point it kind of is. I mean, the punters were on their A game last night. we got to give them credit, show a little bit of love to the special teams units. So you mentioned at the beginning that you want to talk about 21 Savage, David. Oh, yeah. Do you think he's going to get deported? I actually don't know anything about the situation you're talking about. Oh, really? really? What's He's going getting on? deported for sure. Middle of a sting. In the middle of the Super Bowl, they show up at his, wherever he was, I don't think he was at his home, uh, and arrested him, and he's currently detained by ICE. So I know that's a hot spot. Everybody wants to abolish ICE these days. So what happened? So the way I heard it is that he was just with another rapper, another guy, and they were looking for him, and he just so happened to be there. And yeah, he was arrested and he's been held by Homeland Security because uh, he is from the UK. And he overstayed a visa when he was uh, younger, apparently. I had no idea. And uh, yeah, he's been living illegally, I guess, here in Atlanta. Yeah, you kind of don't want to get in the spotlight if you're uh, here illegally. No, no. And that's a weird thing, though. They said that he's had some other run, run-ins with, a, with the law and... They just now found out about it. But yeah, the way I heard about it is like he wasn't just because of him that they went and like searched or arrested him. It was just he just so happened to be there and they busted somebody for guns or drugs or something. And it's like, hey, you're from the UK. We're taking you back with us. Yeah, and that's very interesting because uh, so he's technically an illegal, right? So I didn't know too much about the whole situation. Um, I didn't even know what ICE was until I looked it up a minute ago. Uh, It's the Immigration Control Enforcement Agency. So, um, yeah, they took him away. Um, I think he's just being detained right now. I don't think he's in jail or anything per se. I don't know where they're keeping him right now. But I think at this point, the real question is, 
is he actually going to get deported and when do they do that? How long is this process going to take? Because the court systems run nice and slow as is. Well, I, I think there's no question about it. He's going to have to be deported if he overstayed his visa and he's not a citizen. Like, he can't stay. He has to go back for now and probably eventually he's going to come back with a work visa or an artist. I don't know how they do it, but you see artists from all over the world coming here to perform or whatever, but... Um, it's probably going to be harder for him now since he overstayed the visa already. You know, he's going to have to pay a big fine or do something. I'm not sure how it works exactly, but yeah, he's going to be deported. You'd have to imagine about all the assets too. I mean, I'm sure he owns property, has bank accounts, vehicles, right. everything like that. I mean, wh- where does that go? How did that not? How did that get past everybody? You know, like this guy's been here. He came in 2005. I did look that up. Uh, and his visa ran out sometime in 2006, I guess. So he's been here the better part of what, 12 years? Right. 13? Well, this is right? the problem that pe- that this is how a lot of people, not just from Mexico or Latin America, and some people from there too, but they're coming on a student visa, visitor, whatever, and they're just overstaying. This is why a lot of people, including myself, believe that the wall is just going to be a big waste of money. In the long run, because, yeah, you're going to be able to stop some people that are crossing illegally, but that's like a drop in the bucket. Because most of the drugs, most of everything, I mean, you need roads to move the amounts of coke and other drugs that they're bringing in. You can't do that in the desert, opposed to what Trump has been saying, that they have amazing vehicles. It's literally a desert. Mountains and whatever. People have to walk. And, I mean, it takes a long time. How, How much weight can somebody carry? You know, when they have to bring water and food for like a week or two week journey. And I mean, if it if the reason is to stop illegal crossings, then how are you going to stop people overstaying their visa? I mean, I'm just wondering, does anybody know how big does he want to make this thing? Like, how tall is this wall supposed to be? What's the what's the cost going to be? Originally, it was from sea to sea, according to his uh, claims on uh, the rallies that he used to host. But now it's just. It's changed a lot, so I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, it changes day to day. I mean, he has more proposals. Um, he sends it to try to get passed, gets denied. I mean, he's tweaking it um, constantly, trying to get it passed, trying to do exactly what's best for everybody that the Republicans and the Democrats can both get behind. Mm. So, it, I mean, it changes constantly. I mean, I just feel like it's a big waste of time and resource because right now the mantra is, Build the wall, but then you build the wall, and, and then, then what? And then Chapo's like, "All right, dig the tunnels." And it, it's like, did you really stop anything? Like, yeah, maybe for a couple of years there's a difference, but yeah, I can't see it being gonna stop some people for sure. It's oh, gonna yeah. stop some people, but it's not gonna fix the problem. I mean, I don't believe there's any solution that can fix any problem. No, that and is true. This is what I'm thinking. Like, if they were to, we have the technology to where. You know, if they brought in drones to surveil the whole border, you and you hired a lot more border patrol personnel that could be there to stop people, I think that would be a little bit more effective, cost-effective rather, than actually building the wall and then not hiring more people to be able to man the wall. Because, I mean, it is a very long border. And then they so, start blowing holes in the wall. Exactly. And if you don't have the manpower to be surveilling this wall i mean you know if it's only getting checked every so often then you're going to be finding holes you're not going to catch everybody i mean sure it's going to take them a lot a little bit longer to uh, make a hole or go under or whatever but i don't think 
just the walls couldn't fix it. And I mean, that's what it seems like they want to do. I mean, right now, like they're focusing on the wall, but they're not talking about other things. Well, I think that's the first step um, is the wall. I think in the future, you do bring in the drones. You do hire the more people. But the wall has to be the first step because there are parts on the border where it's literally just a chain link fence. Yeah, I've seen that. And I mean, it's barbed wire and stuff. What's the deterrent there? Yeah, in those places where there's people living and there's ranchers and whatever, there should be. I mean, they have that in main border crossings. Like, if you have you guys ever been to the border? No, I have been because we used to drive to Mexico every every winter. So there is a big uh, the big bridge basically when you're crossing from Mexico to the U.S. or from the U.S. to Mexico. And, I mean, for, for miles, you can see a wall. I mean, it's a big fence. It's, it seems like it's metal. It's not concrete for sure. But uh, it's a big metal fence across along the, the river. And sure, I mean, if I think that would be very helpful because there's a huge city just across the river in Mexico and in the U.S. So say somebody, some people are trying to cross from Mexico over, then, yeah, the wall would definitely help keep them or, you know, from coming over. But if you go to, like, Texas or Arizona, like, that border is just desert and mountains. There's nothing there. There's no roads, for the most part. There's no populations. But I think it does make a lot of sense where there's, like, bigger cities, where there's a lot more population that, you know, could just come over. And, I, in my opinion, big parts of the desert could just be surveilled with drones. But, I don't know. It just seems like... I feel like they're already doing that, though. I don't know. You don't hear a lot about that. There is, I know for sure there is like surveillance from uh, the U.S. Border Patrol. They'll, they have helicopters, and they do make rounds back and forth. But right now, again, they don't have the manpower. I was uh, watching some report for, from like some ranchers in Texas or Arizona that would call Border Patrol and report, hey, there's some people trying to cross or whatever. And then three hours later, that's when the uh, Border Patrol would show up. It's a little bit too late. They're already gone. Yeah. So they just need to be a little bit more effective of, you know, being able to actually stop the people. So mines, huh? Mines. Yeah. Make the entire border (laughs) minefield. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that's more drastic than a wall. (laughs) I mean, you could do that. No, but what I think is a lot of stuff. one, One good. I think one good thing about the wall is the amount of jobs it would create for a while because that wall is not going up in like a year's time. I mean, if they're actually going to build this thing, you could create a lot of jobs about with, by doing that. And what I find even more ironic is you'd probably fill a lot of those positions with Mexican, cheap Mexican labor. That's already down there. Cause that's perfect. It's an extremely Hispanic part of the country, especially down by the border with good reason, because Mexico's right next to them. And I don't mean that as a joke or anything. I'm, I'm, being semi-serious, I could see a lot of the people that they're trying to not necessarily keep out, but deter building that said wall. I just think it'd be interesting, you know, if, um, it's like, it's ironic, um, this wall that keeps out these people was built on the backs of those same people. Not all of them, obviously. Yeah, I do think it's gonna, I mean, it's definitely gonna create jobs, but think about it. All these, uh, federal projects, talking about highways, federal buildings whatever they take forever so you already know and they're pretty well paid i mean they'll pay people overtime and at that time they're making a lot of money uh but again mexico is mexico still paying for it oh that was the dumbest thing ever 
the idea, the notion that Mexico was actually going to pay for that wall. Like, I can't see Mexico paying for that wall. Why wouldn't no, they? No, they're not. And this is the thing that, like, sure, I mean, we can build a wall, but we're going to be paying for it. And, I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money. That's added on to the national debt already that is off, off the wall. You know? I don't know. It just doesn't seem... Wall pumps. It just seems like a lot of wasted money for something that is not really going to give you a good return on, return on investment. I think you could have similar or better results doing it a lot cheaper. So I'm just looking at it in the, the fiscal way. Yeah, because, I mean, I honestly don't care that they if they want to build it. Sure, build it. It's just, like, we're going to be paying for that wall forever. I mean, not forever, forever, but, like, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I feel like five, I mean, the numbers vary drastically from different plans, but the one number I keep seeing is always five billion. Yeah, they came down to that number. I'm not sure I think there was in a bill that they tried to pass to um, stop the government shutdown. I think it proposed five billion dollars for the wall, which in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot. Yeah, that's not a lot, but it came down from originally people were saying like it was like 30 plus or whatever, but I think it's because they... They decided to take it off, not make it out of concrete, and now it's just steel. So I guess that might be cheaper to install. Or variation of two or something like that. That'll right. still be one strong wall if we make it out of steel. Yeah, but like, did you see that they could already um, basically cut through it with regular household items? I always envisioned the wall being pretty thick. Not like the Great Wall of China thick, but like at least a solid like two or three feet, something like that. Which is why I'm worried about yeah. the raw resources this is going to cost us. No, it would be great for either, if they make it out of concrete, it would be great for uh, the concrete industry here in the U.S. or the steel industry here in the U.S. But again, it's just going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. I think the biggest issue right now is that um, people in Washington aren't willing to sit down and talk about it like we are now. Right. Um, They're either on one side of the fence or the other. It's (laughs) yes or no. I don't care what you think. I don't care what ideas you have to build it. I don't care what ideas you have not to build it. Yes or no. And that's the big issue, I think, is right now that the wall is more symbolic than an actual physical wall. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, it's, it's not getting us anywhere. I mean, they're just like, oh, no money for the wall. Or or we'll shut the government again if you don't get money for the wall. It's like, oh, come on. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's documented in interviews and everything and speeches from presidents I mean, since we were born, definitely every single president have said immigration policy. We need to do mm-hmm. something about it. Do something about it. Do something about it. And Trump is actually trying to do something about it, but he is so hated by the media and by the far left that they don't want to hear it. Well, I think the wall is like a like you were saying. It's like the beginning, but like that's not even touching on all the other issues that are there about immigration like right now i think a great way to stop all these caravans going from central america or whatever i think it would be it'd be wise to change the rules as like why why are they coming here because they know that if they get to the u.s to a port of entry they're going to be granted uh asylum what if that's taken off the table altogether i mean mm. I think that would deter people from coming in such large numbers. What if maybe going in another direction, instead of trying to keep them out per se, 
and I'm not saying let everybody in, what if we looked at actual the actual laws to becoming a U.S. citizen and trying to make it easier on these people? Because then they'd, you would hope they'd be more encouraged to do it the legal way. I don't know what kind of effect that would have. But if you make it easier to become a U.S. citizen, they'd have less reason to hide, especially with people who aren't transporting drugs. Drugs are drugs. Obviously, the government wants to keep that out. And if you're peddling in that, they're going to try and keep you out one way or another. But if we look at the laws and try and reform and make it a bit easier for these people to come over, because a lot of them have kids and everything, and they're just looking for money, trying to make their lives a little bit better. And then they well, can worry about not necessarily having to work under the table and everything. Right. What you just mentioned about making citizenship easier, that's not going to happen. I can tell you that right now. Democrats would like that very much, I think, because most of the time they appeal to the lesser, to the minority groups and everything. Republicans would not let that happen. And I don't think citizenship per se to these people coming over is a requirement. But if they had some sort of program, which it's in place, I mean, this is happening already, but it's just really hard to get on those programs, like temporary work visas. Like, I know people that come on the summer and they work out outdoors, you know, in fruit farms, they work out in the fields, and they're, they're coming to work on a visa. And guess what? As soon as the season is over, they go back home and then they'll do the same the next year. That helps them out. They make minimum wage for us, but for them, that's a lot of money. And that takes away the, the want to be here. Because I know back in the day, it used to be a lot easier to cross illegally. And this is what people would do already, doing it illegally. They would come over, work a season, six months, seven months. Then they would go back home. Then they would come back the next year. And again, they're doing this illegally, so it's not okay. But after it started being tougher to cross, then people just started staying here instead of going back home. Because it was just too hard or too risky to get back in here. And so that kind of kept them, you know... Because people are here illegally wanting to go back home to their families. I mean, their parents are dying. Their kids are growing up. And, like, you know, it's not necessarily that they're here to because they want to. It's just out of necessity. So I think some work permits or visas would be a lot better than actually trying to get citizenship for these people. Now, if you're talking about the quote-unquote dreamers, that's a little tougher. Because it's like if somebody told you tomorrow... Hey, David, guess what? You are actually not an American. You were born in Russia. I don't know. Not Russia. Somewhere else. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Like, I grew up here. I don't know this other place that I'm supposedly from. You know, they're like, well, sorry. You got to go back. It's like, back? What do you mean? Like, I've never been there. I don't remember ever being there. And I think that's the place where a lot of people are. See, I, can, I completely agree with that. Um, with most of everything you said. With the work visas, Absolutely. The naturalization process to actually become a citizen, I don't believe, should waver at all. Because no. once you actually do become a full-on citizen, you can use the benefits of a United States citizen. Right. That's voting, getting on any of the government programs, uh, public schooling, anything like that. And that should have to be something earned. That shouldn't be anything that anybody can just come in and get for free when every other working American is paying into it. Right. And it's taken away from us. Yeah, and I don't... Like you were saying, yeah, in order to receive help, uh, if you're talking about schooling for, like, Pell Grants or college loans, you need some sort of a Social Security, which people that are here legally don't have. So at that point, yeah, they can't, they can't move on like that. Um, but for, uh, let's say, dreamers, 
Like they are like under they have DACA, so Deferred Action Act. So they're not getting deported right now, which they might lose it if Congress doesn't get their game on. I hope they don't. What? Get their game I, on? No. I hope DACA doesn't get repealed. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, because right if now, you're a kid, yeah, it's, it's just tough. I mean, and even like, sure, I mean, they technically did nothing wrong because their parents brought them here, but yeah, they are not from here, but yet yeah, they are working, they have jobs, and under in order, and something that people don't realize, in order to have that DACA card and stuff, you cannot have any criminal record whatsoever or you just do not qualify for any sort of benefits if you've ever been into jail if you've ever been arrested for anything minor it doesn't matter you do not qualify so all these people have better records than a lot of the population so i think one way to take care of that would to be like somehow make them like permanent residents or give them the so-called green card that is not citizenship you're gonna vote with it you're gonna um that's the only. I mean, that's the only benefit of being a citizen that you can, you know, part, uh, take part in elections and such. And if you just have the permanent resident card, that just means that you can be in the U.S. without being deported. You can go out. You can come back in. You can have a job. You know, you can do everyday things. Um, and usually, people with a green card can eventually, after ten years, be eligible to become a citizen to apply for citizenship. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to become a citizen. And that's how I became a citizen. I, my parents applied for, uh, for us to get a, a green card when I was six. The whole process took 10 years just for us to get called up to the border and have like our interviews and such and such. So just the application process. And this is, this is the immigration reform that needs to happen. Like it just needs to be modernized. There's too many people in line trying to do it the right way. That people just get tired of it and just bypass that and come here illegally, which is not okay. See, and I didn't even know about stuff like green cards because, again, I'm not the most educated on this. I don't know a whole oh, lot about it. I think that makes more sense to me than becoming naturalized citizens at this point yeah. because, again, I never even thought it would about be a, that. It would be a lot easier for politicians to agree with that rather than being like, oh, citizens, that's like that's like a red button for everybody i feel like if it's a path of least resistance i would definitely be down with that I mean, do you yeah. see that happening though do you see no because they're anytime not in the near future no i mean like either side like people people are too people are too upset at the other side to even be willing to give them an inch you know it's yeah they should just sit down and be able to talk but they're not even talking right now this is i mean and they're wasting time about the wall or whatever you know and as soon as well, we're just starting this year, but as soon as the year is about over, then it's all about the next election for uh, Senate and president. And it's just everything's going to get lost with people trying to, you know, set themselves apart from the rest by taking some strong stance for or against. And then, again, you're not doing anything. I mean, I think one of the bigger issues with that, too, is that half of these people only care about reelection. And how do you get reelected by sticking to what the people elected you for? And so it's like, oh, no, we, we voted you in because we thought you were going to support the wall. Well, shit, I guess I better support the wall then. Right. And you're worried about getting reelected as opposed to actually doing what's best for the country. So instead of being like, all right, let's 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 have a seat at the table and let's talk about this like adults. It's like, well, I kind of care about my money and my family. So I'm just going to do what they voted me in for. Yeah, they need to do what's better for the country. Immigration reform is way overdue. 
I mean, last time this was a big issue was right before this election when there was marches and stuff. I don't know if you remember, like over 11 million undocumented people marching. And I mean, they're living here right now still. I mean, not they haven't been deported, not all of them. Not That's not going to happen anyways. You know, there's not that many ICE officers Speaking of or expensive, whatever. expensive, deporting all these people. Oh, yeah. Because you have to send them back to their countries too. I mean, the flights are not cheap. I, I couldn't see mass deportation. I, no. I feel like that would cause such an uproar from the oh, people yeah. that that's not even in the question. Yeah, and like it's it's a big problem. It's getting bigger and bigger. I mean, out of three hundred and twenty plus million people living in the U.S., eleven uh, eleven million are undocumented immigrants. You know, this is an issue that is only getting worse. So yeah, there needs to be some big reform, and they just need to sit down and figure it out. Because because like I said, if you're trying to do it the right way. It takes 10 years just for your application to be viewed by the U.S. government. And that doesn't guarantee that you're going to get it. You have to, like, go to a bunch of uh, interviews, have a couple background checks. Like, I mean, it, the whole process takes about a month after you get approved to come to the uh, to the border and have your case reviewed. Bunch of hoops to jump through. Jump through. Yeah, and then after that, if you pass that, you can only get a visa. Or, uh, yeah, a, a, a visa that lasts for about three years. In those three years, the government is still reviewing your case. They're deciding they could be like, oh, well, congratulations, you get your green card. Or they could say, well, sorry, you have to go back. And at that point, you have to go back or you overstay or whatever. And then after you get your green card, you have to have it for at least 10 years before you can even apply for citizenship. And that doesn't mean you're going to get approved. So it's not as easy as people think. The whole process to become a citizen from, from nothing to a citizen, if everything goes okay, is about 20 years. That's a long time. I mean, and that's fine. It's just very, very slow for people that have applied the right way. And this is what everybody keeps saying. Why don't you just do it the right way? Do it the right way. It's like, well... It takes a while. Yeah, it takes a very long time. So it takes 20 years. 20 plus years if everything goes right. If everything goes right. If you want to do it the right way, like send your application to U.S. Immigration, wait your turn in line, like everybody says. I mean, they're 10 years behind. So I assume uh, the reason that is, is um, kind of dual part to A, um, the government's trying to see if there is any illegal activity going on with um, drugs or violent crimes or any felonies like that. And also just the government moving at a slow pace due to so many applications coming in at once. Yeah, do they... Uh, just just for them to review your application is 10 years, and that's because it's backlog. I mean, it's, there's that many applications that they're ten year, about 10 years behind. And then they start reviewing you and, yeah, doing background checks and everything. So that itself takes, I mean, for you to get your, uh, your visa, it takes a couple months. And then after you get your visa, you don't have your green card. So they're taking another three years where they're still reviewing your case, doing more in-depth background checks and everything. So... Yeah, it takes a very long time. It's insane. Why wouldn't you cross illegally then? If there was a wall, you couldn't. This is true. What if I just swim? What wall if you go ocean. to Canada and come back from Canada? How are you going to get US? to Canada? Uh, there, walk. No, walk. There's, a, there's no visa requirement for Mexican people to go to Canada or Central American people. I mean, you have to pay like a visa to fly there. But... I mean, it happens all the time. Really? Yeah. Why are visas not renewable? Or are they? Yeah, they are. You just have to apply for some. 
So for example, like if I was living in Mexico and I was a student or I just wanted like a visitor's visa, you can get it for three years or six years. But that means that you can come and go to the U.S. as you please, but you can only stay six months at a time. So if you overstay six months, they'll take it away. And before six months is over, you have to go back. And that visa is not, it's not valid for you to work. So say you're in Mexico, you're a Mexican citizen, and you get a visa to come to the U.S., you can come and go, but you don't have like a work permit. So, so you said it's good for six years, but you can only stay in six month increments. Yeah, is is that um, six months United States, six months in Mexico? Do you have to wait six months to re-enter? I don't think you have to re- wait six months to re-enter. There there must be a limit, but I just know that it's uh, six months max because I know a lot of people that have come just to visit, and sometimes they'll they'll just stay. You know, they're like, oh, I have to go back because I'm getting close to the six months. Like at the, at six months, can you just go down to the border, walk to the other side, and walk back over again? I wonder. There must be something against that because that would that would just, yeah, just be so we drive, make a U turn, come back. Yeah, it's not that quick either. If you ever drive, anybody listening, if you ever drive to the border, take your time because you're gonna be in line to cross either way for about a day. Really? Wow! Yeah. Like this, it's very inefficient. There's only about three major uh, border crossing. Uh, bridges and you know check checkpoint stations uh, between the U.S. and Mexico, and yeah, it takes forever, especially during the holidays where everybody wants to just everybody that lives in Texas or whatever wants to drive down to Mexico visit family or whatever. It takes forever, just sitting there in line, and then once you get to Mexico, you have to get in line again to get a uh, permit for your vehicle. So yeah, you'll spend a good three days. Just trying to get everything situated in the border. That's crazy. I mean, do they have like gas stations and restaurants just like right there? Oh yeah. I mean, that's this is why the the border towns are so popular. I mean, people need places to eat, places to stay. You know, so it just creates a whole economy, really. It's, it's kind of fascinating, actually. All this talk crazy. makes me want to watch um, Sicario again. Yeah, so if you ever seen Sicario, the scene where they're trying to come back to the U.S. and they're stuck in the bridge with all that traffic, that's how it is. And you'll be there for six, seven, eight hours trying to get into the U.S. And then this is why I'm saying that we need a lot more uh, Border Patrol and more manpower. Just because uh, people coming from Mexico into the U.S. or from the U.S. to Mexico, not everybody gets checked. So if I'm driving, if we take a car and we drive to Mexico... It's a 50-50 chance that they're going to check our car going into Mexico or 50-50 chance that they're just going to let us drive right in. Kind of similar thing coming from uh, Mexico to the U.S. You'll be in the bridge. They'll check your paperwork. There'll be dogs walking around your car. There'll be people with mirrors checking under your car. They'll ask you what you're bringing. And depending on if they sense that you're a little bit sketchy or the dog sniffs something or whatever, they might ask you to pull over for a more in-depth checkup or you might just be able to come right in because they cannot physically check everybody so that's a big issue well then again if if you're up to something you'd hope these guys would be able to tell or i know some people can have a great poker face and everything oh yeah absolutely so i mean at that point you know it's you're cashing out about half of what's coming in and I, that's why I'm saying, contrary to popular belief, like I don't think the the bigger quantities are coming through the desert and 
mountains and everything because it's just not very efficient. But if you can get, like you were saying, somebody with a great poker face or somebody that drives across the border for a living or, you know, has family or whatever, and they're not being checked, they could get a lot of stuff in. So I think they need to invest in better technology of checkpoints and more Border Patrol agents, better, I don't know, better equipment. Uh, I, I do know that the majority of all the illegal drugs do come through the checkpoints. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's a 50-50 shot whether you get checked or not. But all the other stuff that comes in from where there is no fence or the fence is so little, the chances of getting that through are much, much higher than 50-50. I, I wouldn't put them up there in like the 90 to 100, but it, they're higher than 50-50. So even though there's less quantity because it is harder to actually do it, you have a better chance of getting it through. Maybe. Probably. I would say if the person carrying it survives. Yes. Because, again, they're making this journey through very rough, tough conditions in the middle of the desert where, you know, it gets like hundreds, over 100 degrees during the summer. And it's still hot, you know. Really, really hot during the day, really, really cold at night. I mean, that's why it's called a desert. And there and is still some security. Well, they do have people flying around in drones and everything. Yeah, there's there's checking, but, I mean, they could hide, you know, if they have, like, thermal mats or whatever. And they're not doing this through, you know, like, very populated areas because it would be easier for them to get caught. They're doing it through, like, the middle of nowhere. So, at that point, I mean, yeah, chances are if they are successful, they're going to get through. But I don't think a whole lot of people can have the abilities to survive. I mean, You'd also have to think that the people that are doing that and making that journey are going to be the ones that are more dangerous. They are the ones that know they can't get in through the checkpoints. Sometimes. I mean, there are people like professional smugglers that know the ways. And they will charge people from Central America or Mexico or whatever they want to come. And they'll they'll bring them over, but they're only responsible to like show them the way. And then when it gets start, when it starts getting harder and harder, then that's when you hear about like cartels taking over and making people carry things for them. And like you know they don't care if somebody passes out because whatever because these are these are not just like old strong you know marathon running men. These are like kids, girls, women, like older people. And, yeah, I mean, just a little bit of everything. So, you know, when they're being made, it's like, well, you're going to take this for me. And they're like, no, I don't want to. It's like, well, you either take this for me or you're done. They're like, all right, well, I guess I'll take it. And then it's just up, up, up for luck. I don't know. It's very interesting. So, yeah, it's an issue. I mean, a wall would help for, with that for a while. Because, say, you do, let, let's do, let, let's just say we do build a wall. So you're going to take away some business from the cartels and everybody trying to cross these drugs. How long do you guys or do you guys think that they would find another way to bring them in? I think they would find another way to bring it in immediately. I think they already have plans if the wall does happen. I think they know, they're going to know how to do it. But the way I see it is that you can't just do nothing about it because you think there'll already be another step ahead. Right. Um, sitting no, back and doing nothing is not the right answer. Right. No, I agree with that. And that's why I'm saying that I don't necessarily think the wall is the answer, but I think a lot of investment 
because this is yeah what Republicans and Democrats are saying. The Democrats are saying we want border security. And then Trump's like, well, no, you don't want border security because you don't want the wall. It's like, no, we don't want the wall. And it's a mess. I mean, I don't agree with that. Both should compromise and give, give in a little bit. I mean, this is just getting ridiculous at this point. I think it falls under the whole, if it's not broke, which it is. It is. It is broken. But it's like, well, we've been doing things for so long and it's kind of functioned. Let's just, instead of pissing anyone off and doing something, let's just keep things the same. I do want to get both your opinions on this, though. Do you actually think the wall will get built? Just a yes or no. Do you think it'll get built? Yes. Do you think it'll get built? No. I don't think so either. I have a hard time seeing it. I don't really... What, what do you mean, though? I mean, you don't think that there's going to be any construction done at all? I do not. I don't think they're going to... I don't I'll think they can get it There is parts of the border, like Trump says, that are already built. I don't understand what he says that we are already building it. I mean, they were reinforcing it, and... The, the, it takes maintenance. I mean, the parts of the walls that are built, they just need updates and mm-hmm. maintenance and, you know, things rust out. So that I know for sure they've been doing that, like renovating those parts of the wall that is being built. But he has said recently that, oh, we're already building it. Like, it's already it's already happening. But then again, he turns around and says, but if we don't get money for it to build it, I'm going to declare a national emergency. See, I don't think it's going to be in the ludicrous... Uh, drawings and visions that they're proposing right now like the huge walls of the metal beams like 50 feet in the ground or however long it was into the ground but i do see um some sort of construction being done i do Mm -hmm. see if it just the existing wall that is there reamping that up making it stronger making it a little bit bigger but completely tearing it down and building a new one seems a lot further off than improving the one that we already have I think that'd be a quick, a, a quicker and simpler fix, reinforcing what we already have. But that's what I mean when I say yes. I, I do see the wall being built. I don't see it being this grand thing that was originally thought of, but I do see something being done about it. I can definitely see something. I think he'll get something done in his presidency. I always thought like this grand idea of some massive wall that just spans the entire border was a pipe dream and just a selling point something for the the hardcore right to get behind as a rallying cry type of thing and obviously it worked to some degree but i can't see them building some sort of massive structure as like some sort of paragon of defense of our country you know anything like that will it happen i don't know i i think something will get done i can definitely see them reinforcing the walls I just don't see him getting the funding to build some sort of massive structure over all those miles. Yeah, I don't either. Do you think do you think he'll get the people will come together and they will fund it or how do you think it's I mean, get they out? already had the GoFundMe page that earned what was it like 20 to 30 million dollars in a few days, yeah. In a few days and GoFundMe shut it down. People were already donating. People want to fund this themselves. Right. If Washington won't they'll do it themselves i think that's that's great i mean if people could do that and like if they would have let it run i mean i don't know that they would be able to gather that much money but at that point sure but then again i don't think the u.s government can just take the money money. (laughs) no it has to be appropriated by congress and i don't think congress is going to go do that if it did happen, like if the GoFundMe actually worked and they actually did start building the wall, you know, I'm not particularly for or against the wall. Sure. Yeah, I guess you could kind of say I'm on the fence about it or on the wall, if you will. Um, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't object to it. I mean, yeah, I'd me be neither. like, fine, go ahead and build it if you've got the funding and and I didn't have to pay anything for it. Go ahead, knock yourselves exactly. out. Exactly, that's, that's the issue that I have with. Like, I don't want. I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm not going to pay for it myself, but like, out of our taxes, you know, it's going to go there, which yeah. I'm not okay with. But I mean, there's so many things that our tax money goes that's wasted. That oh, could yeah, be. That's, that's how we got on deficits. I don't even know how much it is now. The national debt. 23 trillion or something like that something insane i'll look it up it's definitely insane you know and it's only getting worse because of interest (laughs) so i mean in order for us to get out of that i mean just with i don't know i mean it's gonna take a long time and i'm just saying because we're young still or whatever and like all these old people in congress they're gonna be around to pay for it it's gonna be us all right so for everybody who doesn't know the national debt is currently sitting at 21.97 trillion dollars 21.97 21.97 trillion. Yep, so we're almost up to 22 trillion dollars in debt. And like the US is like the strongest nation in the world right now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean for the most I mean basically GDP uh military advanced like oh, yeah. it's if the best country out there. If something bad happened to us, it'd be bad for the whole world. But this is what I'm saying like I do believe in like you should look at history because it does tend to repeat itself. If you ever look at all the great empires, you know, the Roman Empire, whatever whatever, they get so big and like something small could take them down. I don't think anything could take the US down except like a mutually assured destruction. I think we're having a political civil war right now, but I think in the long run, what could really take us down is national debt, because young kids right now are getting in crazy amounts of debt just going to college. Credit card debt is pretty large as well, affecting like the middle-aged people. Oh, I see tons of people all the time with tons of debt. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm it's insane to think about because it could happen to like wealthy countries. Look what happened to Venezuela. They were a very wealthy country, a lot of natural resources, tons of oil, and just mis- mismanagement of the population. And now their 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 national coin or whatever it's called like is worthless basically. And they're about to have civil war. Like, but I think, insane. as opposed to Venezuela, the United States is almost at the point where it's like, we're too big to fail because we affect so many other countries right. in so many ways, especially with our military and everything. If something bad were to happen to us, Europe would be screwed. I feel like a lot of South America would be screwed. I mean, Russia and China, they can do their own thing. I don't think they're really worried about no, us. China is very intertwined with us. I mean, they're the ones that have let the U.S. borrow so much money that if anything happens to the U.S., if the U.S. goes into recession, we're dragging everybody down with us. And China's going to be screwed, too. Yeah, China would be crushed because they have let borrow, have let the U.S. borrow so much money that, yeah, it's not in their best interest for the U.S. to go down. As long as everything keeps working as is, I don't think we really have anything to worry about. Like the national debt, honestly, at this point, is it anything more than just a number? I mean, really? Well, that's the that's the same argument people can make about money. Is it an actual thing or is it just a number? I mean, it's not backed by gold anymore. It's just like a goodwill trust, you know, like, oh, here's a hundred dollars. Trust me, it's worth this much. And what if somebody says like, well, I don't want to like, you know, then it's gone. We're even getting away from the paper money more and more. I forget yeah. where we were one. Or I forget where I was, but it was somewhere where they didn't accept cash. It was card only, and that's some just crazy. Some restaurants are doing that. 
Not to mention with the rise of Bitcoin, we're looking down the barrel of potentially one of these days having one single electronic currency the entire world uses. And that's just literally people will now have a card or however many cards that you swipe. And then there's a number on your phone, computer, whatever that tells you how much you make. There's not even any more paper currency. Yeah. And that's just crazy to me to think. You don't see a lot of young kids in the banks, I'll tell you that much. I mean, well, no, I work why, one. That's why Chase Bank, the largest bank in the world, is doing away from uh, physical buildings. Like, they're closing and closing down branches. Like, they they have some, of course, but, like, they want to do more everything online. And because that's where they see everything moving. That's where I do everything. Everything I do is online these days. Yeah, I rarely go to the banks anymore. Like, inside. I mean, if you can avoid it, why bother? Human interaction. That really cute girl I saw Chase the other day. Yeah. Shout out to her. <laughs> I don't even know her name. The Chase girl. Oh, I bet you do. I don't. I think her name is Cynthia, but I don't know. Well, Cynthia, if you're listening. I'll be back on Friday. There you go. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> no, but I'm saying what what could trigger the next recession, honestly, I think would be debt. National debt, student debt. Some sort of debt defaulting then just drags everything down. It's like a house of cards. Plunge the world into chaos. Then Russia would be the only real superpower left. Not really. They're struggling. Are they? U.S. sanctions, yeah. Oh, okay. Their economy is not doing that very... I mean, they've been like stagnant. Like, they're not growing. They're just kind of doing their own thing. China's growing, but they're slowing down. They had the worst year last year since 30 years. I feel like as long as China and the U.S. exist, we'll keep helping each other. But if one fails, the other one's going with them. And if one of the two of us goes down, we're bringing everybody else down with us. Yeah, it's a very delicate thing, China and the U.S. relationship. Because, yeah, they're dependent to each other right now. But I don't know if you know about the China Silk Road. I don't know what it's called. They're trying to expand and, you know, kind of get their own footing besides the U.S., so if they are able to do that and, you know, have something to support them instead of just depending on the U.S., then at that point, you know, they're, they're not going to care. True, but at the same time, I think they'd also recognize the damage that could do to the rest of the world if they, like, let us fail. And as long as we keep paying our debts to them on time, I recognize we're not paying all of it. We're basically living on credit. How does it hurt them to not keep helping us? Well, I think they I mean, if they really wanted to, like hurt the u.s they would take the pain you know because i'm saying if they're successful doing their silk road whatever i mean they're basically doing that all over the middle east you know east asia pacific nations like this is going to affect north america it's not really going to affect that side of the world we're not exactly best friends with china i know know we're not but i mean at the same time we also have me the best military in the world so it's like if they let that happen to us who's to stop i mean just look at what happened to germany after world war one you know their country their money wasn't worth anything so what did they do they build up a military superpower they started world war ii and then after that look at all the success they've had so if china lets us go under what would stop us from being like all right let's get into it with china let's fight them i don't see another major world war ever happening I don't either. I feel like we're too... I think it'd be too easy right now. Too easy? Yeah. I mean, it's if one if it goes past anything other than 
one country, one country and their allies. If it's an actual another world war, nukes would fly. It's it's done. It's done for everybody. But I, I think it could still happen. I mean, look what happened in Syria. The the Russians were backing Assad, right? And we're in there trying to, you know, maneuver between both of them, trying not to kill Russians because then, you know, there's another war right there. That's World War Three. If the Russians get involved, they're allies with North Korea, China. I mean, you only need those three to really inflict some pain. And then look what's happening in Venezuela now. The U.S. is kind of threatening with sending troops to Venezuela. Guess who's there already? Russia. Russia. They got two supersonic bombers who could be in Florida within 10 minutes dropping bombs, nukes. The Cuban Missile Crisis Part 2. See, basically the same thing. And it like it's in our hemisphere now. This is like basically our neighbors to the south. I mean, they're not that close, but they're only a Gulf of Mexico away. That's a three-hour flight on a regular jet. That's nothing in like a supersonic. I don't think anyone outside of North Korea would actually hit the button on it. I mean, because they know once one nuke goes towards anywhere, every other nuke on this planet going them, yeah. is going to them. Well, that's the dangerous part about that, because North Korea and Russia are like buddy buddies. North Korea and China are buddy buddies. And then Iran trying to get nukes. I, I think they're like, I think they would, I think they, they wouldn't care to die as long as they would take us out. Oh, yeah. They're like fucking crazy i don't think china per se likes north korea because if you remember when kim jong-un was saying he was going to drop a bomb on the u.s and everything even china was at this point telling him like just well back china, off. china like, stayed out of it for the longest time but they're still trading this is that's where north korea is getting most of their money from trading with china and russia they stayed neutral just purely for the fact that they didn't want to piss us off it's not that they stopped backing north korea and that they were supporting us it's just they wanted to Throw their hands up, like, hey, we're not in this. Yeah, they're buying yeah, on that. But it's like when you're North at a bar Korea. or something like that, and your buddy's trying to fight, and you're the one holding it back. Like, just it's not worth it. Just stop. He wasn't holding North Korea back, or China wasn't holding North Korea back. They just threw up their hands and were like, hey, we're not in they're, this. They were looking away, basically. They were like, nope, we're not getting involved. That'd be like instead of me holding you back, me just being like, I don't know you. Once it gets away. once it got a little <laughs> worse, when the U.S. actually threatened with like actually taking action. That's when China was like, all right, guys, like take it yeah, down. Because like China yeah, China does not want U.S. influence right next door. I mean, like that would that, that's not good for them. So, How many times has Trump met with Kim Jong-un? Twice or just once? Once. They're going to meet again yeah, they're sometime meeting this year. Okay. I wonder why he didn't like Obama so much. Because he was trying to, be a, trying to be a bully. But I don't know. I mean, like even though they're meeting, and I think it's good. I mean, I, I don't think anything comes out of people not talking. I think you have to meet with people and talk. But uh, so back in the day, Kim Jong-un's dad said the exact same thing to the U.S. Yeah, we'll get rid of our nuclear or whatever. And then, Kim Jong-il. Yeah, and then guess what? They didn't. They were still working towards it. So they don't have a very good track record of keeping their word. So, you know, they could say, yeah, sure, you know, we'll disarm or whatever. But, like... We need to get people down there and check. Even then, interacting with them at all on any level, if they're willing to meet with the president and everything like that, I think is a step in the right direction. Is it a solution? No. Will you solve everything? No. But I think it's at least a start. Oh, it's I at agree. least showing that they're willing to at least fake it, you know, at least fake that they're going to try to do it. Yeah. Instead of just completely ignoring and completely just doing what they were doing, not wanting to talk about it, nothing like that. It at least brings some peace to the mind of the people. Because it's not what it was back in Kim Jong-il's day. Um, North Korea, their citizens were no internet access, nothing like that. 
they believe that their leader was pretty much God to them. That well, they don't have internet access there either right now. Well, it, I mean, it's getting harder and harder for them to keep that away oh, from yeah. their people. and Because, like, South Korea, like, they they drop pamphlets and movies and whatever, just trying to get, like, influence mm-hmm. from even just South Korea. I mean, leave alone, like, the world. And that's the same thing going on in China, you know? Like, their internet is censored. You cannot, like, search anything that the government doesn't want you to search. That's insane. When they have a hand on anything that you do, everything that you do, and, like... They're not hiding about it. Like in the U.S., you know, like with that Snowden guy that's like, oh, you know, your your cameras and your computers, everything can be hacked. It's like, well, well, it could. It might be. Who knows? In China, it's like, they are. Yeah. Like, there's no question about it. They are. So just be careful. Same thing in Russia. They'll listen to anybody that goes there, spy on everything. So it's like, shit, man, you know. It's definitely, that's why they say, like, this democracy thing is like an experiment. And... You know, it's it's working so far, but... How long? Yeah, how much longer? We'll see. Well, on that happy note, David, you mm-hmm. seem like you're about to cry. I seem like I'm about to cry? <laughs> nah, just kidding. Oh, I'm still mad about the uh, three pigs in a blanket comment at the Whoop. beginning of this. <laughs> yeah, you asshole. That's Jeez. <laughs> old jokes, David, old jokes. I thought so. Yeah. Like you're joking. <laughs> I was just messing with you. I don't really no, care no. about the three pigs in a blanket. I, 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 <laughs> I thought you were commenting on my weight. It's like, well, I haven't dropped 100 pounds like you. Like, I was I'm definitely still... not commenting on that. Okay, okay. So want to cry on the way home? Not... No. Yeah. Don't don't cry on the way home, Tyler. One single tear. What? It's going to be a big tear, but it's going to be one single tear. You know what's funny about losing weight? Uh, you know, I started out at 305, and, you know, I could always poke fun at everybody and be like, what up, fat ass, and all that kind of stuff. Now if I do it, I'm just an asshole. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were always an asshole, but now it's just a different reason. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm going to fight you on that. I, I, I think I'd agree with you on that, but, you know, now I'm more of an asshole. Yeah. He's like, every time I heard that, I still felt it. I don't care if it's self-deprecating. I, it hurt no, it's all in good fun. I think next time we should talk about a little bit something happier. Maybe maybe weight loss because I'm actually very interested in that. I didn't know uh, Tyler also lost 100 plus pounds. Yeah, um, I started off at 395 pounds at my highest. Um, over the course of it is about 13 to 14 months, I dropped down to about 275, and right now I'm trying to put on as much muscle as I can. I'm back up to about 310. Um, actually it was about last week I was working out with you and I decided I'm going to try to cut down back to 225, try to get to what I was in seventh grade, I believe. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. That was me in 10th grade. That was when I got about that heavy. Cause I weigh less now than I did freshman year. I was 210 freshman year yeah. and I'm about 200 right now. 395 was rough right out of high school. Well, I remember that. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm close to the heaviest I've been ever. So I definitely want to, I've been cutting down, trying to cut down. So I think next time, I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's not easy to lose weight, but I mean, I'm sitting here with two people that have dropped over 200 pounds together. So I think next time, next next week, next time we have a podcast, we should talk about that a little bit more. Maybe about your what you guys are eat, what you guys eat, meals, whatever. Bulking versus cutting. Absolutely. All that kind of different stuff. We, different ways to do it. We are professionals. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, 
We've been there. I don't have a you know I don't have a degree or a license. I don't believe anybody's a professional on it. I mean, something that worked great for me might not work great for somebody else. It yeah, that's depends true. On your body type and what kind of uh, exercises your body reacts to the most. True. There's a there's a million ways to skin a cat. So there's a million ways to lose weight. It's about finding what's right for you. Oh, and just absolutely. sticking to it. Yeah, I think that's why I want to hear about your guys' each journey and see what you guys did and see if any of that would work for me or for anybody else listening. Because like I said, you know, weight loss is really hard for most people. And it's something that I think a lot of more people could relate and might find a little more interesting than our gloomy talks about the world and we all going to shit. Well, we did spend 15 minutes talking about football. Yeah, again, this is a very hectic podcast. I kind of like it. I mean, we touched on current events of Super Bowl. <laughs> We're going to get a little bit political from now now, now and then, you know. It's, it's a little bit of everything. It's like opinionated news. Oh, God. We got too much of that. I <laughs> wish there was a channel where we could watch the news without the anchors giving us their opinion. Wouldn't that be great? Let's or just start a just news me? channel. If this blows up, we could. I mean... There's already like all those different podcasts on YouTube, like Louder with Crowder, stuff like that. He's shout obviously out. far right, but yeah, shout out to Louder with Crowder. Who's that? He's this far right guy who are we still recording? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um he's just a guy on the far right who always gives his opinions, usually about social issues and everything, kinda like the low hanging fruit, like that it's ma'am video. Like he'll just completely shit on those people for like ten minutes apiece. It, which it appeals to the far right, so there's that. I, I can I can get behind some of his stuff, but it's humorous. It you yeah I think it usually is. I I can usually get a kick out of um like hardcore or the more the more far right and left um political videos. So. There's definitely radicals on both sides. Oh yeah, there's radicals oh, on both sides. That's why I don't identify as a Republican or a Democrat. I'm so. more of a constitutionalist myself. Mm-hmm. I'm more of an anarchist. <laughs> you know, there you go. A little bit of everything for all different tastes. I don't know. I like to watch both sides. Like, I'll, I'll go and watch uh, Fox News for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and then I'll go and watch uh, CNBC or whatever. The oh, MSNBC? MSNBC. CNN. Yeah, C- CNBC. That's a stock channel. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> MSNBC. <laughs> And it's funny. I mean, like, again, it just pisses me off that both of them are so opinionated. It's like, just give me the news. Tell me what this guy said, and that's it. Like, I don't want you to, like, try to explain me or swing me your way. I know you have an opinion, but, like, don't try to influence my opinion. Let me make my own opinion. It used to be like that. It used to be that they would tell you what happened and let you make your own decision on it. And now it's they're pushing their own propaganda, which is why I actually started uh, reading the newspaper again. Mm. I'm just picking up the local newspaper because I feel like that. I mean, it's still opinionated. You're always going to yeah. have a bias, but at least that you're not having someone speak it to you. You right. can kind of read between the lines yourself. They're always so smug too. Yeah. The one thing I've noticed, I mean, when I watch Fox news or uh, rather, uh, what's her name? The judge, the lady, Judy, judge, Judy, no, uh, some, is she black Janine, Janine, something. She's in know. Fox News. I never watch the news. She's this lady, and she's always like, sound, I mean, I don't know that she's yelling, but it just sounds like she's yelling. She's like, 
Like I'm watching and I feel like I'm being reprimanded. It's like, okay, I just didn't, you did this. I'm just trying to watch this. What's going on? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything. Like, uh, who's Jesus. the blonde girl on Fox News who was ripping into LeBron when he was giving his opinions? I forget her name. Kelly. Tommy Lauren. Something. No, Tommy Lauren's hot. She was hotter a year or two ago. What happened in the last year or two? I don't know. She's losing it. She's getting older. She was like hot and perky. You know, she's. Did like, you get a new yeah. TV with better definition, or probably. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean just <laughs> Damn, like. Damn, 4K. <laughs> I mean, some people look great when they're young. I think that's her. And I mean, I'm not saying she's not ugly at all, but like, I think a year or so ago, like when she was like really popular, and like she just looked a lot better. Now, like I just saw her actually like two days ago, and she's still up there, but like not yeah. as attractive as she used to be. She's a little crazy for my taste, but. I don't know. Crazy think, is my taste. Yes. Well, see, like, yes. everybody finds a niche, and then they, like, exploit it. Because if you go back to, like, when she first started, like, she was just, like, a normal news anchor person. And then she found out that people like rants and her getting mad and making a face. And it's like, okay, well, I'll make money out of it. Hey, she made a lot of money. Good for her. Yeah. Got to make that money. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, I think... That's a pretty good place to leave it. Sorry, everybody, for getting so gloomy, but hey, this is what you're going to get. A little bit of everything. Not always like that, but hey. All right, we just want to thank you guys for having me on again. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for Absolutely. coming, David. And we'll look forward to next week when we talk about some some weight loss. Yeah, what, uh, we'll try to make it all about, well, not all about weight loss, but va- vastly. We'll cover that. some other stuff, too. We'll, it it we'll, will be interesting because you and me have taken very different paths to reach the same goal. True. So it'll be interesting to get kind of both sides of two completely different paths to get to the same place. And, you know, someone might like this path, someone might like that path, and someone might like something right down the middle. There's always something for everybody. It's just about finding it. Cocaine. I lost all the weight because I started doing heroin. (laughs) Uh, Smoke crack. I don't smoke crack, motherfucker. I sell it. What is that from? You've never heard of it? No, Control by Kendrick Lamar. Nah. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'll show you then. You're an outlier, David. You're an outlier. Fair enough. Stay golden, pony boy. All right, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. Tune in next week to see what we get into. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you later. See you.